Welcome to the Human Theatre, a safe space teemed with an abundance of exploration about what it means to be a human in this world. Optimal health is your birthright and should not be a luxury. Knowing how your body works and understanding everything that relates to your human experience comes with the package. My name is Kelsey Buchholter, and I am here to dive deep into all things mental and physical health, longevity, nutrition, human consciousness, creativity, and more. Join me in normalizing the concept of what it means to be a human and the importance of being you. Enjoy the show. Hello humans, my name is Kelsey. I am a singer-songwriter, actor, dancer, nutrition advisor, health coach, and your host. And welcome to the 44th show housed in the Human Theatre. As you know, I am passionately outspoken about lifestyle interventions to prevent and even reverse chronic diseases, and essentially bring someone back to optimal health. Nutrition is one of the greatest modifiers for overall health. Why? Because our cells are literally made up of the food we eat and assimilate. The quality of the food we eat is important. Today's guest is doing amazing work in educating and coaching people to optimal health through ketogenesis, intermittent fasting, and an array of nutritional interventions that help bring the body back to health. One tool discussed today is ketogenesis, or the ketogenic diet. Ketogenesis describes a metabolic state, not a fad diet, as it is often thrown around in the food spaces online. When the body is in a ketogenic state, it is utilizing stored and dietary fat instead of carbohydrates for fuel. The body thus produces ketone bodies that are released into the blood to fuel cells like our muscles and brain. Essentially, the body responds to a reduction in overall carb and sugar intake and begins to produce ketones and keto acids, which are then used as an alternative fuel. Ketones might sound a little bit weird and scary, but they are absolutely natural to the body. They are chemicals made in the liver. And interestingly, in the third trimester of pregnancy and at birth, both mom and baby are in a mild state of ketogenesis. So ketogenesis has been with us since the dawn of humankind. Interestingly, being in a ketogenic state has profound anti-inflammatory benefits, and the ketogenic diet has been utilized for over 100 years just in the treatment of epilepsy alone. More and more, ketogenic or low-carb dietary interventions are being used successfully with patients to help reverse diseases such as insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, an array of autoimmune conditions, cancers, specifically metabolic cancers, food addiction, eating disorders, bipolar, schizophrenia, PCOS, acne, and so much more. I'd be remiss not to mention Alzheimer's. A ketogenic carnivore diet, so a zero-carb, high-protein, and high-fat diet, is what got me through severe anorexia. And so, I am so excited to bring on our guest today, Kim Forbes, to dive deep into all things ketogenesis, food addiction, common pitfalls on the ketogenic diet, and so much more. 
Kim Forbes is a functional nutrition coach from Johannesburg, South Africa. She specializes in keto and intermittent fasting. Kim reversed her own insulin resistance and lost 45 kilograms, or 99 pounds, by doing exactly the opposite of what we were told. She's passionate about helping others get healthy the way she did. Before I get on to today's show, I'd like to remind you of your special 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product. Oxford HealthSpan are doing important work in bringing to the market high-quality, effective, bioavailable, and science-backed botanical compounds that harness the body's innate ability to repair, renew, and promote vigorous longevity and increased health span. I interviewed the founder, Leslie Kenny, on episode 6. I highly recommend you give it a listen if you haven't yet done so. So, when you enter Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, all in capitals as the discount code at checkout, you will receive a 10% discount. Another exciting announcement is that I have teamed up with Nutrition Network. Nutrition Network is an online accredited education, connection, and learning platform founded by the Noakes Foundation, in partnership with an esteemed team of doctors and scientists. The platform has been designed exclusively for healthcare practitioners across all disciplines, covering the latest and most up-to-date science and research in the field of low-carb nutrition. As a Nutrition Network nutritional advisor and ambassador, you can enroll in any of their incredible courses using the link in the show notes. If you are a medical professional or someone just interested and you want to enhance your practice and life, actively be on the pulse with all the latest research, be involved in an international community and be lectured by the world's leading doctors, coaches and researchers in the field of nutrition, look no further. A link will be in the show notes. I also want to disclose that the content shared on this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It should not be taken as medical advice. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed medical practitioner. And without further ado, here's my chat with the lovely Kim Forbes. Kim Forbes, welcome to the Human Theatre Podcast. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. It's great to have you on the show. I've been manifesting this episode for a while. But before we begin, where in the world are you speaking to us from? Um, in Johannesburg, South Africa. Nice. How's the weather there today? It's a little bit chilly, but not too bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty the same here in Cape Town. Um, okay, cool. So I usually begin by asking everyone on the show um, what is their backstory and what brought them to where they are today. So what is your backstory and what has brought you to where you are today with the most incredible informative Instagram profile all about ketogenic diets? Thank you so much. Well, I think, you know, I had had this sort of yo-yo history with dieting. I've tried it all from cabbage soup to, you know, insane calorie counting to working out twice a day to try and keep my weight down. And I just, I, I just always, always struggled. And I got to the point after I had my daughter where it really was becoming such an issue that I felt like once she was going to get bigger, I wasn't going to be able to play with her and do things with her. And I knew I had to change something. And I was also um, diagnosed with insulin resistance. So I think, you know, it became more important because I didn't want to end up a type 2 diabetic. And I wanted to be a really good example for her as well. And 
I started researching, you know, you get so many different things online and it seemed like banting or keto would be a good idea. And that's where I started out. So I started my Instagram page mainly for accountability so that I could sort of, you know, make sure that I stayed on track. And the idea was to post every day for 365 days, which is why my handle's Kim's Keto 365. And I did that. And I kind of, as I got healthier and did more research, I became a little bit obsessed with it. And then I decided to study a diploma in nutrition. And after that, more and more courses. And when the um, lockdowns hit in 2020, I was retrenched because I worked in travel. And I just decided, you know, this is that sign from the universe that I need to follow my passion and go into coaching and helping other people get healthy the way I did. Wow. That is so empowering. I mean, I love that reframe with like, this is the sign of the universe, you know, from your retrenchments to make it into something that is just totally totally you you like totally shifted you didn't let it define you because I mean that's not an easy thing to go through it's no it's just trauma <laughs> look at the time it was scary I'm a single mom and to suddenly lose your income overnight it was scary but I it's honestly the best thing that ever could have happened to me because I love what I do and I love helping other people get healthy like I did yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, it's palpable. Your passion is palpable. And it mimics very much my my journey as well. I mean, I also, um, my life was saved after, you know, going on a carnival diet. Mm -hmm. And just that alone, like, I couldn't not speak about it. Like, I'm sure you, you, you I don't know, like, you, you got the bug. Also, they say, Absolutely. like, well, you just are so impassioned. And I love that you are, you know, just living that, um, uh, phenomenon where really you can do what you're passionate about and it, and you can just see that it's something that you're passionate about and it's really inspiring because that's what I'm trying to do myself so thank you yeah. and your <laughs> journey is so inspiring and I'm going to be doing carnival um from next month I just feel amazing like it's the next step for me <laughs> yeah I, I suppose I suppose it is a the general um, transition from keto to carnivore. Um, I suppose while we're on the topic, like why, maybe maybe we should define for people who are unfamiliar, like yeah. what is keto? Because I think also, and I know that you know this too, but there's like people think that it's just a fad diet, but we know that it's not. So what is ketogenesis? Yeah, so I think that the misconception is that it's this new fad that's suddenly been around in the last few years. And a lot of people will say, oh, no, it's something that came about because it was for treating children with epilepsy. And, you know, there's all sorts of misinformation out there. And at the end of the day, ketosis is a metabolic process. It's been around as long as humans have existed. So, you know, it's not to say that you need to necessarily be in ketosis all the time. You can build your lifestyle to suit you. But for me, the main focus is cutting out things that are inflammatory on a cellular level, like your seed oils, your refined sugar, um, your grains, things like that. You know, whether you're in ketosis all the time or not is not as crucial depending on your metabolic health. But cutting out those inflammatory things that are leading to cellular dysfunction and disease is the crux of it for me. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's just a, an amazing starting point because I think a lot of people get confused. We know that the nutrition space online is just, 
you can find and research anything that confirms what you know you can just there are so many conflicting um things out there as well Absolutely. so it can get so overwhelming but the, i mean the general first steps are always going to be taking conscience and removing any triggers and inflammatory foods i really love that because that's essentially the best start and already from there i'm sure people will be able to benefit like hugely Definitely. Definitely. You'll see the improvements straight away just from cutting out seed oils. You'll see a massive improvement yeah. in your health. Yeah. You know, even if that's all you do, you'll see a huge improvement. And I think it is a bit of a, a thing of you feel the improvement, you feel great, and then you want to add in something more. And then you'll take the next step and, you know, maybe cut out processed foods and then you'll take another step. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm. I think that's that's a really really important point because I one of the questions that I did want to ask um you is about like common pitfalls that people get into when they do start a ketogenic diet and I know like going all in if you are someone who it has been on a very high carbohydrate diet like a standard American diet and you just drop all of your carbohydrates you are going to um experience some negative side effects and that is essentially what is termed as keto flu but I would rather call it carb withdrawal yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're jumping from topic to topic. We might as well cover some common pitfalls. But I do want to go back to to like just ketogenesis and why why you're going to be transitioning to carnivore. But I suppose while we're on common pitfalls, let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of for me the biggest one is that we strive too much for perfection, and it's not about being perfect. It's about making progress. So the most common mistake I see people make is they'll do well on keto for a week or two, and then something will happen. Maybe they're out with friends for coffee, and they have a slice of cake, and then they let themselves feel so guilty. Um, you know, you get stuck in that cycle. You feel guilty, and then you say, oh, well, I've already messed up. Um, this diet so now I'm just gonna have pasta for dinner and then you're like well it's Friday so I'll start again on Monday and you end up binging the whole weekend instead of just saying you know what I slipped up with that slice of cake it's not the end of the world my next meal's a keto one and you move on and it's like a blip on the radar so I think it's to be kind to yourself to know that these foods are highly addictive and it's not that you lack willpower it's just that these foods are designed to be addictive and to be really hard to stop. And I think what makes it harder than other addictions is that it's so socially acceptable. You know, if you were an alcoholic, your friends won't tell you, oh, we'll just have one drink, it's okay. But when you are addicted to sugar and carbs, you, when you're in a social setting, and it's, it's not through, you know, any ill intention, but friends will often say, but just have one slice of cake. It's just one. They don't realize what a trigger that can be for you. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very huge point. I mean, I just, my dad used to be a complete Coke addict, like the, the, the beverage Coke guys. Yes. <laughs> um, and he literally cut that out for within three weeks. I think he lost like 15 kilograms that's and I'm like, not even, it's, it's, it was ridiculous. Like maybe I'm overestimating how many, but he dropped a lot of weight very quickly. Yeah. And all he did first, like his first little step was just cutting out drinking Coca-Cola. And I mean, yeah, and cool drinks are <laughs> huge, very easy sources of intense amounts of sugar. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the um the addiction part is is something that I definitely want to cover. But in terms of like 
pitfalls. Um, I I see a lot with people that I work with and just people in the space, and I'm sure you can corroborate this, but um, when you just drop carbs and also processed foods um, without adding in enough salt, mm. I mean, carbohydrates hold onto electrolytes and also all the processed foods that we eat come with huge amounts of sodium. In fact, the highest sources of sodium in the average diet today are actually come from bread and pasta. And I don't think people realize that. But so in terms of like common pitfalls, um, what what do you have to say about electrolytes? Yeah, electrolytes are hugely important on a keto lifestyle. And I think, you know, again, due to misinformation, people have been scared of eating salt. And it is because most people have so much processed food in their diets and they're all really high in sodium. So it's very easy to have too much sodium on a standard diet. However, on keto, when it's only the salt that you're adding to your food, chances are you're going to be under. And as you said, you know, for every one gram of glucose your body stores for energy, it stores three grams of water with that. So when we drop those glucose stores, the water goes with that. And unfortunately, that flushes out our electrolytes a lot. So I supplement daily um, with Revive electrolytes. You can make a homemade electrolyte mix as well. Um, You know, just using good quality salt and make sure you're salting your food well is also really important. Yeah, 100%. I I interviewed um, Mark Myerson, who's the founder of Revive. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, it was a great interview. And I love the work that he's doing because... um, you know, a clean electrolyte supplement in South Africa was very, very hard to find because yes. all you would find in the grocery store is just like huge amounts of sugar or like huge amounts of horrible sweeteners that yeah. come with an array, array of um, side effects as well. Um, so the homemade electrolyte supplements, I mean, I usually just tell people to add like a pinch of salt in their water and like yes. lemon if they want, um, even like apple cider vinegar is also yeah, great. Yeah, that's how I used to make mine with the apple cider, um, salt and cream of tartar. Yeah, yes, cream of tartar. Um, for those listening, they may think I'm weird, but one of my favorite drinks is sparkling water with apple cider vinegar. It it's tastes really like, refreshing. Yes, it tastes like apple tartar to me. Like, it is really even, refreshing and it's great for your digestion as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. And also to um, the acetic acid can help regulate your blood glucose as well. Um, especially if you like, let's say you do have a piece of cake or you do have a higher carb meal. One of the best things you can do is have some acetic acid either before or after I would suggest before. Yes, Um, definitely before is better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also to go for a little walk afterwards. That's also shown to drop blood glucose quite significantly. It definitely helps to stop that big spark. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So other common pitfalls, um, that you maybe see. I know one of them that I see is just people not eating enough fat and yes. then also just not eating enough. Yeah, I think we're so in this mindset of calories in versus calories out that even on a keto lifestyle, people tend to want to control their portion size and they focus too much on the quantity of what they're eating rather than the quality of what they're eating. And because fat is high in calories, that's where they try and cut down. And it ends up leaving them feeling hungry all the time, not having great energy levels. And it's just all around not good. And I think something to realize on a keto lifestyle is you really can start tuning back into your body's hunger and satiety signals and using that fat macro as a lever to actually feel satiated. Yeah, I really 
appreciate that because, I mean, out of all the macronutrients, I would say, and I mean, there is evidence in the scientific literature to, um, you know, corroborate this, but protein and fat are definitely the most satiating macronutrients. And, you know, I was one of those people who was petrified of calories in the beginning. Like I feared fat so much and I just wish that I knew that fat doesn't make you fat, especially in the, in the context of a whole food ketogenic low carb diet it does not make you fat and again as you say when you are dropping your carbohydrates you need fuel from somewhere the protein cannot be used easily by the body as fuel it's very taxing on the body to do that and like you need energy from somewhere and fat is your next best choice so what are your favorite fat sources that you like you know i just like to choose fatty cuts of meat Mm. a because they're really flavorful and B, because it's a nice, easy way to get in my fat, and I know it's going to give me a good fat-to-protein ratio. Um, eggs are another the great one. Um, you know, eggs are Mother Nature's multivitamin, <laughs> so that's a great one for me, too. I really enjoy my butter because it's just delicious. So, yeah, I do tend to lean more into the animal fats than anything else. Have you ever tried tallow? I mean, sorry, beef suet. I know tallow is like rendered beef tallow. So I get beef suet from the butcher. It's like little, essentially it's the fat from around the kidney, but it's essentially beef beef fat. And then you just like roast that in the oven and it becomes like crispy, crispy, like crackling type of thing. It's so delicious. I'm definitely going to try that. It's so good. But yeah, I also tend to just choose like fatty, fatty, fatty meat. It's just the best. Um, Sorry, you were going to say something else on a pitfall and they're not eating enough oh, and... um yeah on the pitfalls I think something people tend to do as well and it's not necessarily a bad thing while you're transitioning but long term it could hinder your results is leaning too much into processed keto foods yes. so there are amazing you know keto friendly breads out there and rusks and pastas and things like that and there are ones with really great clean ingredients But I do think we need to see them as a treat. You know, if you're going to be having those kind of things daily because of the almond flowers and things like oxalates and that it can stall your progress over time. So use them as a crutch if you need to in the beginning and a treat here and there, you know, so that you're not feeling like you're missing out. But don't make it too much a daily part of your lifestyle. You should be focusing on whole foods. I, I agree. I agree 100% because even though they are keto friendly and they are way better as an alternative to the yes. the other stuff, um, it still is feeding that, that addictive side as well, which exactly. brings us to something that I know is very much on the forefront of your mind and I have struggled with myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's, it's addiction and specifically like sugar addiction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that earlier you had mentioned that you are going to be starting carnivore. And I just think let's cover addiction and sugar addiction yes. under the realm of maybe why you are choosing to start carnivore. Yeah, I think the thing is for me, I've done carnivore a number of times, just like a 30 day protocol for my gut health. And I always feel my absolute best on carnivore. But one of the main reasons I'm thinking of doing it long term now is because on keto, I still have a lot of cravings. Like I'll still be at a restaurant and see the cakes and really feel like that, not just, oh, that looks nice, I'd like that, but that intense craving for it. And I've reached the point where I'm quite comfortable and able to say no, but it would be nice to not have that feeling. And on carnivore, I don't. You know, my cravings just really disappear on carnivore. 
if I do get a craving on a carnivore, it's like because I feel like a bit of avocado or something like that, which is fine. And um, I think if I do it long term, I'll still include things like that occasionally. But I don't have any of those sugar cravings. And I really think it's because I'm not including anything sweet anymore because our brains don't know that that's stevia in that um, keto treat you made yourself. It just it's sweet and that signals sugar. Yeah, that's a very good point because I don't think a lot of people are aware of this. But even though it says that it's it's sugar-free but it's got sweeteners, your body, as you said, still physiologically responds as if you are having something sweet. So I know for some people their blood glucose does tend to stay the same, but that your insulin may be showing a very different picture. Exactly. Um, I in terms of getting a possible insulin spike. And even for some people... Yeah, I think I see sometimes with myself, I think I'm a bit sensitive to sweetness. If I have a keto treat, my blood glucose will often drop because mm. I've had a spike in insulin. Mm. So the whatever I ate didn't raise my blood sugar, but my body expected sugar, so it raised insulin. Yeah, I, I must say whenever I have something sweet, um, like with a sweetener, I, I almost firstly I get hungry I get almost like a hunger pang yeah I don't know if you've ever experienced that you and then do. Also, yeah and then I also get quite a bit of discomfort and I know that that's a common side effect of sweeteners to get some like bloating and just feeling uncomfortable in the stomach region yes and I think that's another thing is to be very careful about which sweeteners that you're including because yeah like, um, xylitol and maltitol that are used in a lot of the low-carb products really aren't good for our gut health at all. You know, um, monk fruit, stevia are much better options. Yeah, no, I, yeah, 100%. Um, so I'm, I'm going back to the um, cravings. Yes. I, so I've been pretty much solidly carnivore since 2018. And, you know, within, within the first, you know, within the few years of course I've tried other things I haven't just only had meat water like water and salt for yes. those five years I have experimented I have tinkered but I also myself genuinely feel the best and like on, on carnivore and if I'm still hungry I'm like I'd rather just go for another piece of meat that will actually satiate me than something that's just gonna like just add volume but it's not really gonna make me feel satiated I'm still gonna be ruminating about food etc um and it's probably why because you, you you brought up something very interesting and that is like essentially our palates do change like our bodies are malleable if, and if you're not um you know having sugar or anything sweetened on uh you know, a frequent basis, your body's going to like sort of forget that essentially. And I don't crave anything sweet at all, yeah. like at all. And I think it's probably why apple cider vinegar tastes sweet to me. And it's probably why exactly um, even liver tastes sweet to me. I don't know if you've ever had that phenomenon. Yeah, and <laughs> when I'm on carnivore as well, occasionally like as a treat, if we go to mug and bean or something, I'll have a cafe cream, which is just an Americano with a bit of pouring cream. But that cream tastes so sweet to me because yes. I haven't had anything sweet. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's quite, it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing actually. Um, and then on cravings though, like I, I don't know what you um sort of espouse with your clientele and your patients, but like, you know, if people are craving a whole food, so you mentioned avocado for example, yes. like let's say you're craving avocado, or let's say I've gone through periods where I've craved eggs, for example. Yes. Like I, I generally say like if it's a whole food that you're craving, like if it's an act, like if it's a tomato, I know when I once had a stomach bug, for some reason I was craving tomato, <laughs> but like fresh tomatoes. Yes. If it's a whole food that is 
genuinely considered that, okay, there is a nutrient in that whole food that your body is clearly yeah. needing as opposed to, or I'm craving chocolate or I'm craving, um, I don't know, a pizza. Like yeah, that's a process food. Yeah. You. Cause you know, I think when we start to crave those sort of comfort foods, it's generally our body's wanting like that dopamine hits or a mood boost. It's because we're feeling stressed, things like that. But as you said, when we're craving whole foods, it's because our body wants some sort of nutrients. Yeah. And I think, again, part of the process, and I think this is why I also love carnivore for people as a tool, is yeah. just to begin to get in tune with your body again and in okay. tune with your hunger signals. Because carbohydrates do interfere with our hunger and satiety signals because of that raising glucose, what goes up must come down. And when it comes down, we end up being really hungry and it leads us to make more poor decisions. So when you cut out those blood sugar spikes, it really helps you to tune back into listening to, okay, I'm hungry now, I need more energy or more nutrients versus just I'm trying to fix this blood sugar roller coaster. Yeah. And another interesting thing about carbohydrates, you know, like if you're thirsty and you drink water, your body knows when to stop. Yes our bodies don't have that for carbohydrates but they do have that for fat and protein like I if I had like you know enough meat in front of me like my body will eventually be like no I'm done but I feel like for carbohydrates I mean we don't really have that no stop start mechanism and you know it's one of the things like at restaurants they will start you off with um bread and it's because that sparks your blood sugar it leads you to being hungrier and it will keep you feeling hungry for quite some time. So people eat more if they start their meals with bread. And I mean, the restaurants might not have started knowing the science behind it, but that is why it works. Yeah. And you'll order more drinks as well because it makes you thirsty. Yes, because of all the sodium in the bread. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose a hack for people is because um, the order of your food does play a difference in yes. your blood glucose. So have your protein and veg first and then you can have your carb after yes it will definitely curb that blood sugar spark a yeah. lot and the protein will also make you less hungry because it is yes. satiating in and of itself that is something i always tell my clients as well because i feel like most people under eat on protein mm. you know and um, because it is quite satiating and that's so i always tell my clients on keto is Focus your meal around your protein and always eat your protein first so that if you get full, it's your veg you end up not finishing and you've gotten to your protein macro. Yeah. Do you also, I mean, in the, sp in the space it's thrown around like your protein requirements are essentially one gram of protein per pound of ideal body weight. Yes. I do work roughly on that. Um, it obviously depends on your needs as well, like mm. for people who are athletes yes. or do, trying to build muscle and that I might even go a little bit more on protein but that is sort of my minimum yeah something on a side note very interesting that I learned um, the other day is that um, I know autoimmunity is on the rise in most yes. people and <laughs> I think it's at this point like so way too common and I think the root cause of that is a lot to do with just stress and gut dis dis gut dysbiosis yes. and all these things but um if you have an autoimmune condition from Hashimoto's to fibromyalgia to anything autoimmune related your protein requirements by automatically go up because your yes. body is breaking down at a rapid rate as well so that's also something to consider and 
honestly, anyone who comes to me with an autoimmune condition, I recommend Carnival for them because it really does put those autoimmune conditions in remission. 100%. Because you're getting rid of so many inflammatory foods, like even healthy foods are inflammatory like dairy can be very inflammatory for autoimmune conditions i know like the three main culprits for autoimmunity um are gluten dairy and soy yeah those are like the big ones to avoid but like even eggs for people with autoimmunity some people can be really sensitive to them i am one of those people i can't have way too many eggs um otherwise i find it's eggs as a whole or just the egg whites um, I would like to say it's just the egg whites, but unfortunately, I also have tried with just egg yolks because okay. it is it is it is, it is um, the egg whites that are you know they they are the the, the triggering yeah. part of the egg. But unfortunately, look, I unless it's the quality of the egg that I was getting, they were just free range. Like I haven't specifically gone out of my way to try and source soy free. Yeah, eggs, which I think is very hard to find. I think um, it would be extremely hard to find. Yeah, but I I haven't tried myself, but apparently duck eggs are a little okay. bit more tolerant and a little less triggering. But I haven't actually tried myself. Yes, it would also be quite hard to find. I would think. Yeah, I think unless like at a speciality sort of health farmers stall type of type of place. Yes. Yeah, but when I do, I will get back to you and let you know. <laughs> it's interesting. It's so interesting. And I think, again, this leads to something that I think is often not spoken about and just not emphasized enough. And I just think it's that that term bio-individuality because oh, you can be following all these amazing influences and they give amazing advice and you listen to these doctors and stuff. But like at the end of the day, your body is unique and your body is you. And for me, I think carnivore as well is just such a, it's like the the perfect like start to just scratch all the noise, just take yeah. out everything and literally just go back to the basics because essentially all our bodies really need are essential amino acids and essential yeah. fatty acids. Scratch everything else, nourish yourself, get get a get a sense of where you're at, like, you know, baseline level and then experiment and tinker because what works for me may not work for you. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on bio-individuality, especially for people who are sensitive to following what everyone else is doing and being so hyper-fixated on what everyone else is doing, but it may not work for them. It's definitely a huge thing. Nutrition is so nuanced and, you know, it's a big complaint I get from people when they first start my coaching because my meal programs, I don't tell you, you know, you must eat a 250 gram steak with X amounts of um, broccoli or whatever the case is because we are all different and what works for me might not work for you. So I give recipes and guidelines But at the end of the day, you need to listen to your body and find what works for you. And I 100% agree carnivore is the best way to find out which foods work well for you or not. And I normally say to people, you know, cut it right back to not even doing dairy. Just focus on meat. And once you've done like 30 days like that, then you can start experimenting with things and adding things in. I normally recommend adding one thing at a time for two days and seeing if you have a reaction, you know. So you add in some broccoli, for example, and you see, do you experience any digestive discomfort? Does it give you bloating and that sort of thing? If it doesn't, great, you can add that in. I mean, don't have the same things every day, but you can see what works for your body and what doesn't. You know, a lot of people are sensitive to dairy and don't even realize it. 
Yeah, I I was that unfortunately. Um but I, I do I, I dairy is something that I can have in moderation. Yeah. But I, I know if I just go consecutively like days of just consuming large amounts of cheese, which is delicious. Yes. And I easy know, to have a lot of so easy, so easy. But again, I mean this is like so nuanced because someone who's just beginning and listening to this, like have cheese if it's like yeah. going to be a bridge like don't it's still a healthy food it's still a yes. very very healthy food it's an amazing source of calcium and even if it's not necessarily raw dairy which we know is probably the most yes. optimal but still like it's still way better than going for like a piece of cake definitely and i see with clients a lot as well a lot of people are sensitive to cow's milk dairy but goat's milk is fine so you can also experiment and see what works well for you i'm quite lucky with dairy i don't seem to have any sensitivity to it um but like i'm sensitive to caffeine so i know i need to limit um my coffee intake and i can't have it when i'm fasting because it does break my fast where mm. for most people a black coffee would be fine while they're fasting yeah, I if, if I have a black coffee, I used to only drink black coffee. Bulletproof train, and I literally can't have black coffee because if I have black coffee, I immediately feel, oh my god, like I can feel that my blood sugar has like completely spiked. I yeah. like even get like heartburn. I can't have plain black coffee anymore. I'm a little bit like irritated because it is easier if you're going out because not all yes. restaurants like make make a bulletproof but sometimes I sneak in my own MCT oil and I just like shake it up um but on the goat dairy very interestingly I think it's 30 percent of the fat in goat and sheep dairy or just in general goat and sheep products are actually MCTs okay so, that's interesting I yeah didn't that. so interesting yeah it's very very cool yeah, yeah something I do at restaurants if um, I'm ordering a coffee and I want like that bulletproof. Normally they do have pouring cream, but I just ask for one of those little butters that they normally give you with the toast uh, and I pop it in. Ah, <laughs> uh, and you just like stir it in. Yeah. Yeah. That is delicious. Delicious. I've seen, I've never tried, but I've seen egg um, coffee. They like blend it up. <laughs> And it becomes like super frothy. It looks really good. It does go very frothy. Like I'll sometimes, I get the Ovo egg white protein powder just to um, help with hitting my protein macro. And I'll often pop a scoop of that in when I blend a bulletproof coffee. And it does make it super fluffy. Amazing. Interesting. I've never actually tried that. Um, you spoke earlier about like, I mean, even now you've brought up, um, you know, how you navigate your way through day-to-day -day life. Like if you're going to restaurants, and I know that this is this is something that I also have a lot of ambiguity in. And like, you know, if I am invited to a function, like I kind of do just want to like, you know, also like what is the point of having health if you can't spend it type of thing? I don't know if you have any any thoughts on like, because I know that there are two ways of looking at this. Um, you know, either you say, because food is so much ingrained into just being social and being a social being in in our in our world today. Um so either you like view food as like absolutely just fuel. I'm going to go to this event and just I'm going to eat before and I'm just want to be there for the people. Like that's what matters. And I, I've done that and I'm on that camp. But I'm also of the camp, you know, again, like I want to enjoy life and I work so hard, like 90 percent of the time, like 10 percent if it's maybe, you know, more carbohydrates on my plate than in a normal day or if it's a cappuccino or if it's a slice of cheesecake, you know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on just navigating your way through 
life because essentially this does go against the grain and it's not quote unquote normal even though back in the day this would be the normal thing to do yeah I think it also comes down to knowing yourself so you will get people like my mom who can go to a wedding have a slice of cake and then go on eating keto like nothing happened and it's not a trigger for her and if you're one of those people then absolutely go for it because as you said, you know, if you're doing that, it's not even probably 10% of the time. It's probably like 1% of the time. It's not going to affect your overall health. But if you're someone like me and that one slice of cake is going to be a trigger for you. And like now I'm at the point where it won't make me fall off the bus, but I'll struggle for two weeks afterwards. It's just not worth it. So I think you do have to decide what's best for you. But when I'm in social environments, I try to just make the best choices I can with what's available. So like if there's a buffet, for example, I know that the marinades the meat cooks in and that's probably not ideal, but it's also not the worst choice that I could make. But I'll still avoid like the desserts and that sort of thing. So I do think it, it does again vary from person to person that's a very very good point and I'm re- I, like I'm really grateful that you did bring it up because um you know just coming from my background of their like recovery from anorexia they have been you know it's it's been a journey to be able to and sometimes it's it's harder <laughs> in than other times to be out and about you know like with a buffet and that can lead and has led to many many terrible <laughs> terrible experiences um for me where I just was way too triggered and it just became a bit of a disaster but um yeah I think that knowing yourself and Mm. knowing the intentions because I think also for people who don't necessarily struggle with food addiction it can just be like what the hell why can't you just eat that one piece like like what is wrong with you and this leads me to I'm sure you've heard of this and I forgot I forgot the 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 name of the lady who um sort of termed these terms but to be an abstainer versus a moderator yes um have you heard I'm assuming you have heard do you want to explain for people who who actually came out with it originally but a lot of people talk about it now yeah do you want to explain for those maybe who haven't heard yeah so you basically get two types of people you get moderators who can really do that thing that everyone preaches of everything in moderation because they can have two squares of chocolate and leave it at that and know the rest of the slab is there and it's not a temptation for them and it's not hard and then you get abstainers who if they had had the two pieces would have finished the slab and mm-hmm. you just can't switch off at that point so it's easier to cut it out completely than to try and moderate it yeah and I'm an abstainer me too. I find <laughs> so, most people really are. And I think yeah. it's because of that highly addictive nature and the fact that these foods are hyper palatable. Mm. It's very hard yeah. to stop at just a piece or two. Yeah. And I think that it's really helpful to hear this because it normalized a lot for me because I was walking around thinking that there's something wrong with me for not being able to Definitely. moderate, but I can't. It's just my brain is clearly not wired for that. You feel like this constant failure because why don't I have the willpower that other people have? And the thing is, most people don't have the willpower for that. Sugar is as addictive, if not more, than cocaine. And because it's socially acceptable, it makes that addiction so much harder. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, on the abstainer versus moderator, I, as much as I'd like to see myself as a moderator, 
Um, and I think that's also where, you know, eating disorder recovery in, in particular goes a little bit wrong because, you know, they have this idea that, that at the end you'll be able to moderate everything. And yes. I've really learned that that's actually, I, I, I can't, it's actually more detrimental for me to try and force myself to be something that I'm not. Exactly. Than actually, than actually just realizing, okay, my brain is wired like this. I'm I'm owning it. And I am going to work around my bio-individuality. Definitely. It, it is. And I think it's a common thread in any kind of recovery when it comes to eating is that they do push on you that you're not recovered until you can have everything in moderation. Yes. And that's just not true. No, it's not true for a lot of people. And I'm glad that, that you know, we are speaking about this because maybe it will help at least one person out there. Yes, you don't yeah. need to feel like a failure because you can't moderate highly addictive foods. And I think something important to remember is humans don't eat in moderation. We eat till satiety. So when you're eating these processed foods that are already highly addictive, they also lack nutrients. And when we don't have the nutrients our body wants, it will keep signaling hunger until we get them. Yeah. So it, it's a vicious cycle. It is an absolute vicious cycle. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the protein leverage hypothesis because essentially you've just essentially explained. Yeah. Ex you've explained that right now because our bodies will continue to be hungry until we have reached adequate nutrients. Yes. And, you know, that comes down to macro and micronutrients. You know, sometimes we will still be signaling hunger, not because we haven't hit our protein in that, but because our body's still lacking in some micronutrients. So that's why I think it's important to make sure that you are basing your nutrition predominantly on whole foods. So you're going to get both your macro and micronutrients. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, have you like seen any common like patterns? I know that again, <laughs> sort of goes against by individuality, but have mm -hmm. you seen common patterns with regards to anything relating to your clientele with, you know, implementing ketogenic diets? Do you know, I think one of the most common threads I see with everybody is that we don't actually realize how unhealthy we're feeling until we start to feel healthy again. So one of the things clients will always tell me within the first two weeks to a month is that I can't believe how much better my energy levels are. I didn't realize how bloated I was. Um, I didn't realize how much this affected my mood. So there's all these knock-on effects that you really didn't realize you were struggling with these things because you've been feeling that way for so long. Yeah, it's making me think of the saying, I'm just busy writing it down. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. Yes, absolutely. That's so, so true. It's one of my... Um, favorite things because you know especially with women's health there's so many things we're told by doctors that oh that's normal but it's really not it's just common yeah yeah unfortunately yeah. like what are some of those examples um so I think a lot has to do with our hormonal health when it comes to periods and stuff you will be told throughout your whole life it's normal to have painful periods it's not, not normal. normal it's common but it's not normal. We're not meant to experience severe amounts of pain that are actually stopping us from living our lives. That's it's not normal. Yeah. You know, and a lot of these things come down to things like PCOS and endometriosis, which at their root cause are caused by inflammation. Yeah. And insulin resistance. Yeah. 
And um, we're very quick to mask symptoms rather than trying to find mm, the cause. Mm. I think if, if, you know, if there's another thing that I would really want people to take away from this conversation is to become aware of your symptoms. And it, like, I mean, symptoms can be vast. They can be from brain fog to inability to sleep to anxiety, like any symptoms that you're having, even if it's acne, eczema, like these are all signs of your body that's you need to start looking at something because your body is always responding the way that it should under the environment that it is under. Yes. So whatever, whatever circumstance you're under, like if you're getting acne or eczema, like that is a sign, like your body's reacting as it should. There's something going on there. It's It's a warning signal. And I think that's also a big thing for me is that, you know, most women when they come to me are, I want to lose weight. And at the end of the day, our weight is a symptom of our health. You know, that is another sign that your body is telling you, hey, something's not right over here, whether it's insulin resistance or whatever the cause is. So if we shift our focus from our weight and the scale to our health, finding those causes and getting healthy, the weight's naturally going to come off anyway because it is just a symptom. That is so true because our adipose tissue, our fat cells are essentially like an endocrine organ. Yes. Um, That's a really, really great point. Uh, What is the saying? I know you've you've used it before, but we don't lose weight to get healthy. We get healthy to lose weight. Exactly. Yeah, if you need to lose weight. Because for someone like me, again, by individuality, not everyone needs to lose weight. I know it's very addictive to be on that like weight loss trend. But if you are someone who does need to lose weight because carrying excess weight just as much as being underweight, both of them do have negative um, consequences on the body. And Um, I think Dr. Berry says it quite well. It's not about weight loss. It's about weight optimization. So when you follow this kind of lifestyle, if you're underweight, you'll come up to a healthy weight. And if you're overweight, you'll come down to a healthy weight. Yeah. For those not watching, I don't really have a YouTube channel yet, but I am planning on it. Um, I've just raised my hand because I... I had to gain weight and I have gained weight, but in a very, very healthy manner. And it's been mostly just muscle and bone, bone growth. And I think that's something that I, yeah, I mean, it's so essential. We know that muscle is the organ of longevity and also a lot, a lot of complaints that people have with carnivore because it's such a nutritious, it's probably like the most nutrient dense diet you could ever get. And it makes sense because it's so ancestrally appropriate, but a lot of women, especially complain about their weight going up on the scale. And I I just want to, you know, say, and I'm sure you can say the same thing, but like when you, if you have been someone who has under eaten protein your whole life, okay, what are our bones? Our bones are mineralized protein. The number that you are seeing increasing on the scale is not just going to fat. You have like huge amounts of stores of like protein and muscle to to refuel so your bones it could be a sign that your bone your bone mass is increasing which we need like as we get older sarcopenia is a thing it's inevitable and we need to have we want we should want to have as strong bones as possible bones weigh a lot on the scale that that will increase the number so does muscle mass like if you're eating more protein and enough protein for your body you will but be um, adding on more lean mass, which is what we want. So exactly. to re- reframing that number on the scale, in fact, don't even weigh, like rather look at body composition, like look at how your clothes are fitting. And even more important than that, more important than aesthetics, like how are you feeling? Yes, I think how you're feeling is so, so important. And taking measurements, you know, weigh in once a month. It, it's not that you 
have to ignore the scale completely. It's good to have an idea, but definitely don't let the scale determine how you're feeling about yourself. Because I'll give myself as an example, my longest stall during my weight loss phase of my journey was for three months. That scale didn't move. It would go up 100 grams, down 100 grams. And it was so frustrating for me, but I lost two dress sizes in those three months. So it's not that my body composition wasn't changing. I was still burning fat, but I was also improving my bone density, gaining muscle, you know, and I wasn't working out at that phase. So it was purely related to what I was eating. That's insane. I love, you see everyone listening. It's like, (laughs) yeah. Um, And I think, you know, another thing that I want to bring up just about, you know, just drastically cutting calories which a lot of people turn to which is devastating for the body um but usually what happens when people see the weight loss on the scale there it's not really fat that they're losing the body doesn't want to lose fat very quickly like that's fat is you know you have to look at this through an ancestral lens like evolutionary our bodies would cling on to fat and our bodies are designed to cling on to fat because Back in the That's day, your yeah, it's exactly because we we wouldn't know if tomorrow we would actually be eating. There wasn't something called like abundance of food. Yeah, you <laughs> couldn't the, order Uber Eats. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Whereas like nowadays we're surrounded by you know food, yeah. but you know back in the day, famine. So our bodies want to cling on to fat. So our bodies don't let go of fat very easily. What they first let go of, and you can see this if you have ever broken a leg or in hospital for quite a long time you lose a lot of muscle mass very, very quickly. So yeah, the number on the scale may be going down. Um, and again, you could only really tell this if you go for a DEXA scan or yes. like, you know, a, what is it? The bone mineral density to see your yeah. body comp, or even just get a body comp, um, a body fat percentage test. But usually with these extremely low calorie diets, you're just losing muscle mass. Muscle. And that's not good again, because we 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 want as much muscle mass as possible as we're aging absolutely you know you don't want to get to your old age and you have a situation where your bones are crumbling and you don't have the strength to do anything because you let your muscle mass go it it's you know by that stage there's not really anything you can do about it you have to take care of yourself leading up to that point mm. yeah i think my my future vision for the world of just health and wellness online is just, and I think it is, it is happening. It is definitely, there's a movement towards it, but just promoting health and yeah. just as much muscle mass as possible. And cause I think, you know, and again, I, my frame of reference is just my, my life, I suppose. Um, but you know, anorexia and being severely underweight and thin is yeah. very much glorified, but the, the the physiological consequences of being so underweight it's just like it's not worth it and no, it's not I think health is the priority and I think to let go again let going let go of the aesthetics let go and I know it's easy way easier than done let going let go of the scale let go of how the clothes fit but like going back to how you're feeling mm-hmm. is probably the best you know I think oh Sorry, I think we froze a little bit there. <laughs> um, I think something that helped me a lot on my journey, because, you know, you do struggle with that wanting to meet these aesthetics and, and everything. And it was learning that self-love on my journey. And something my coach at the time, Ben Azadi, gave me to do was to write down three things every day that I'm grateful for about myself personally. 
And doing that every day, like in the beginning, it feels really weird and you don't know what to say, but it gets easier and easier and it really shifts your mindset. And it's amazing how it has a knock-on effect in your life because you start respecting yourself and your image around those foods and that changes from I can't have that to I don't want that because it doesn't make my body feel good. 100%. I think that's that's um, something that I will now answer when people say, well, don't you crave chocolate cake or, or all these things? And I'm like, I've never really known what what I've, I've never known how to articulate myself and that articulated it so well. Yeah. Like I, I would rather not feel shitty. Yes. You just have that self-respect enough to say like, it doesn't make me feel good. I don't want it. Yeah. That's so empowering. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea that Ben Azadi was your coach. I've had him on the show. Yes. I am. Oh, Ben's amazing. Oh, we're one of the biggest off. fans. <laughs> yeah. Vitamin G, vitamin gratitude. That's powerful. It. It it's is so, so powerful. powerful. It really, and I think, and I know it's it's, you know, in in the moment and in in the dark place that you may be in. I know it's really hard to see this, but like there is always something to be grateful for. There really is, and you know, I think it's a, a quote by George Clooney is that you know tough times don't last, just like good times don't last, and you've just got to know that it might be hard now, but it's gonna get better. Yeah, this too shall pass. Yeah. 100%. Oh, getting like chills. This is so amazing. Um, so I, I'm weary of your time. And before, no, I, <laughs> before I ask you your last question, yes. um, where can people find you and follow your work? I mean, your profile, your Instagram is just everything, if, especially if you are in South Africa, because, you know, I follow, I'm very much involved in the keto carnival yes. community online, but most of them are overseas Americans yes. and they all have these amazing products, but you are like raising my awareness of actually some really amazing local products in South Africa so yeah your Instagram is amazing I love it so much thank you so much yeah my handle is at Kim's Keto 365 on um, Instagram TikTok and Facebook and yeah I do try to create as much awareness as I can around locally found products because I do think our feeds are full of these amazing things that we just can't get here I am hoping when Amazon comes here, we'll have a little more access to some of the other things as well. (laughs) But yeah, we have some really great local companies too that are doing amazing things for our nutrition. Amazing. So I will put all of that in the show notes. And for your last question, I wanted to ask you, what, what is one thing or one habit that you wished you had adopted sooner? Oh, gosh. Um. I think the number one thing for me would be being kind to myself because that makes all the difference in the world. You know, we we are our own hardest critic. We can be our own worst enemy. And just learning to be kind to yourself and give yourself some grace when things don't go according to plan um, can change your whole perspective on life. 100%. And it, it takes you out of it's very easy to get like stuck in the very small myopic dark world and I really love that because when you do give yourself grace it almost leads you to look up to the sky and look at the bigger picture and you find yourself doing better and better and making better choices because you're not stuck on the one thing you did wrong you're looking at the 99 things you did right yeah oh that's so powerful gosh thank you and I mean if you need a coach 
in anything relating to health and nutrition, guys, Kim is probably like the best. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. It was amazing to have you. This was wonderful. And enjoy the rest of your day. You too. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did recording it. And I hope you learned something new. Wherever you are on your journey, know that you are not alone. And if anything discussed today resonated with you, and if you feel that you would benefit from a functional nutritional coach, I highly recommend reaching out to Kim. Her warmth, energy, and passion is palpable. If you think of anyone who would benefit from hearing this, please share, share, share. Sharing, rating, reviewing, and subscribing all help grow the show and get it accessible to more people. It is the lifeline of any podcast. Don't forget about your special 10% discount on any Oxford HealthSpan product when you enter Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-Y, all in capitals as the discount code at checkout. A link will be in the show notes. Also, don't forget about your special affiliate link if you are interested in enrolling for a Nutrition Network course. And until next time, stay safe, stay real. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Human Theatre. I hope you learned something new. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and give a rating or a review on whatever app you are listening to this podcast on. I would love to hear your feedback, so please don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram or via email. All the links are in the show notes. Remember, you are your most important person in this world. Keep shining your unique light. Until next time.